Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, November 10th. Here are election 2020 updates from today's show. Attorney General Bill Barr gave federal prosecutors the green light on Monday to pursue any allegations of vote tabulation irregularities before results are certified. He indicated that he has already done so in a few specific instances. This major reversal of longstanding Justice Department policy drew widespread internal and external criticism because it fuels unfounded claims of massive election fraud being pushed by Donald Trump. Richard Pilger, the head of the Justice Department's election crimes branch, stepped down from his position in protest over Barr's latest directive. Sources tell Matt Zapatosky and Devlin Barrett that Barr first broached a similar idea some weeks ago, and political leadership in the Justice Department's criminal division, of which the election crimes branch is a part, pushed back hard. These same officials were blindsided last night when Barr's two-page memo went out. Pilger emailed colleagues, quote, Having familiarized myself with this new policy and its ramifications, I must regretfully resign. Barr seemed to take aim at previous guidance from the Justice Department's election crimes branch that said prosecutors should not, in most instances, take overt steps in voter fraud or related investigations until after election results are in and certified. This guidance was designed to ensure that voters and state and local election officials, rather than the federal government, get to decide the results, and that if prosecutors wanted to deviate from that norm, they would at least first have to consult with public integrity prosecutors in the election crimes branch. But Barr wrote that the previous directive, which has been on the books for decades, was, quote, never a hard and fast rule. Vanita Gupta, who is the head of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division during the Obama administration, explains that this new memo amounts to scaremongering, that will allow officials to send letters and take other public steps that might suggest there's voter fraud in a particular state when in fact there is none. Inside the Justice Department, many officials, including conservatives, fear that Barr's move is going to entice outsiders to come to federal law enforcement with specious claims and then empower U.S. attorneys across the country who were appointed by Trump to bypass consultation with public integrity prosecutors and announce publicly that they're investigating these specious claims. This could potentially undercut the legitimacy of the election and the American people's confidence in the results. And I must emphasize, Barr's directive was heavily caveated and did not offer one scintilla of evidence of any election fraud. Meanwhile, over on Capitol Hill, Top Republicans are standing back and standing by as Trump seeks to sow doubt in the Democratic process itself. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said on the floor yesterday that the president is, quote, 100% within his rights to pursue recounts and litigation. Other GOP officials also rushed to bolster Trump's case, including the two senators from Georgia who demanded the resignation of Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a fellow Republican, after he said there was no evidence of widespread fraud in that state. An objectively true statement. 
and the Republican attorneys general of about a dozen states threw their support behind a legal effort pending before the U.S. Supreme Court to throw out all mail ballots in Pennsylvania that were received after Election Day, a small number of votes that state officials said would not be enough to change the outcome. Behind the scenes, Trump advisors and allies are increasingly resigned to Joe Biden taking office. But few, so far, are actively discouraging the president or his campaign from pursuing all legal paths to contest the results. One senior, senior Republican official explained to Josh Tassi why they're playing along with Trump's dangerous game. This person said, quote, what is the downside of humoring him for this little bit of time? No one seriously thinks the results will change. This senior GOP leader added that Trump went golfing this weekend and added, quote, it's not like he's plotting how to prevent Biden from taking power on January 20th. Meanwhile, Rome burns. Also, Housing Secretary Ben Carson tested positive yesterday for the coronavirus after attending the White House election night party last week. Same thing with top Trump campaign advisor David Bossy, who also was at the party and tested positive. Even though he's not a lawyer, Trump has tapped Bossy to lead his post-election legal battles, and he's been in and out of the campaign's headquarters several times over the last week. He may have exposed several others on the campaign to the contagion. And the White House has issued orders to agencies across the government to repel Biden's landing teams. These so-called beachhead teams from Biden's camp are supposed to be preparing for a peaceful transfer of power. Officials across the government have prepared briefing books and carved out office space for the incoming Biden team, but they were told on Monday that the transition will not be recognized until the Democrats' victory is certified by the General Services Administration, that low-profile agency that officially starts the transition. But GSA Administrator Emily Murphy, the Trump political appointee and proven loyalist I told you about yesterday, refused for the third consecutive day to sign the necessary paperwork. In an indication of growing frustration among Biden officials, the transition team organized a call with reporters last night to lay out a list of the government services that Murphy's decision is denying them. Those include State Department-facilitated calls with foreign leaders and access to secure facilities where they can review classified information. Biden is evaluating his legal options and may sue to get the certification. Bigger picture. Historians tell us that Trump's obstinance and intransigence could make this the most contentious transition since Franklin Roosevelt defeated Herbert Hoover in a 1932 landslide. During that testy transition, Hoover kept trying to pressure the president-elect into fighting the Great Depression by supporting the very policies that he had just campaigned against and which the voters had overwhelmingly rejected. Roosevelt, who'd promised Americans a new deal to get the country back on its feet, said no deal to endorsing the Hoover program. Back then, inaugurations weren't held until March 4th. That's the date that was set in the early days of the Republic when transportation was difficult. So Hoover was a lame duck for four months. Just as Trump claims that our country is turning the corner on the coronavirus, Hoover kept insisting during the transition back then that the economy was recovered. Yet unemployment kept rising and got to nearly 25% during the transition and banks were failing across the country. After Roosevelt took office, a constitutional amendment was passed to move the date of the inauguration up to January 20th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Homan. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.